Hey there, this is the second installment of a series that I'm doing where I'm going and touring other facilities that work with disadvantaged populations. The first time we went over to the Tulsa Dream Center, this last time, what you're about to see is the Lighthouse Outreach Center over in Bartlesville. It's a homeless shelter that helps people deal with addiction and uh, the problems of generational and systemic poverty. Um, I went on a tour there, and then on a later day, I was able to sit down and do an interview with the director, uh, Mr. Errol Haida. Really enjoyed both of these things. I learned a lot. Um, time very well spent. Um, even if you're not a part of this project of helping this church discern how it is that we're called to care for the local poor, it's just interesting stuff to know. A lot of people don't know about Lighthouse and what it does, um, or they know generally vaguely what it does, but... Uh, this is an inside look at not just the people that are in there, not just the staff and workers, not just the facilities, but how it all fits together and how they do this work together. So I hope you enjoy this uh, segment that we do and uh, just, just skip through and see what appeals to you and, and maybe a blessing to you. Well, I appreciate you sitting down with me. Glad um, to do it. Yeah, you uh, you have a pretty good understanding of what we're looking at already. You and I have spoken during the um, mm -hmm. the tour we did a couple weeks ago. Um, and it's a wonderful situation we're in, but I'm very intimidated at the the notion of starting something new. I figured it might be helpful to start off just with the broad strokes history of this place. Uh, I was in worship with you here a few minutes ago when you were talking about the history of a, a Naomi that started this. And so I'm interested to know about the roots of it, what started it, and then where you came in and how long you've been with the organization. Well, Naomi started it uh, 30 years ago, and she was director for about 22 years and then her, her health began to uh, affect her and so she um, approached the board with the res resignation of, of, of uh, not being able to continue to work and so the board uh, began looking for another director and I was on the board at the time. I've been on the board uh, for about 10 years off and on and uh, first became involved in the Lighthouse um, in uh, about 25, 26, maybe 27 years ago. Our church uh, would provide a meal once a month, and then I would do a sermon for chapel once a month. And so that's how we got started doing it. I've been doing that for as a volunteer for about 20-some years, more than 20 years. And then uh, they asked me to be on the board. I was on the board for about 10 years. And then while I was on the board this last time, they uh, when they were needing a director, <clears throat> we went down to John 316 in uh, Tulsa, and I asked Steve Whitaker, the director there, if they might have somebody on staff that could come up and serve as interim director until we decide what we're going to do for sure. He said, yeah, we might have. Said, but usually a board looks within the, the board themselves. There might be somebody there. And uh, I'd already told the Lord I would be director if the board asked me, but I wasn't going to volunteer. That was my sign to know I was supposed to do it. And a board member with, was there with me, and she said, uh, Errol, what about you? And I knew immediately that was what God was saying. The hair on my arm stood up, and I just knew that was the, the call right there that I needed. And, and uh, I needed that because when things get rough, you need to go back to that time to make sure you're right where God wants you to be. So uh, <clears throat> Naomi started with a very limited resources. Uh, this building used to be a transmission shop and the upstairs was apartments. And so that part was conducive to what we were doing. And so when we first started, we, they began remodeling the bottom part and then they do a room at a time upstairs until they finally, when I became director, it had been going for 22, 23 years. And we still had one room that wasn't finished upstairs yet. So while I was director, we finished the last room upstairs. So it's been a long, slow process. And then about 15 years ago, they built the men's dorm, which houses now 34 men. And that was a big, big uh, game changer for the Lighthouse to increase our ability to help more people. And we've been 
uh, close to full the last four or five years. Uh, maybe have one or two beds and then to be filled and then have uh, somebody move out and have, have vacancies there. So it's it's been up and down. And like I said in chapel, there's some really a difficult time financially for the lighthouse at times. And uh, anytime you're doing God's work, you're going to run into obstacles because the enemy doesn't want you to do it. Right, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. If you know that's what God wants you to do, then you can just keep plowing ahead and trusting God and seeking His direction. And if you do need to make a course correction, you can do that and yeah. with God's direction there. Um, so Naomi was a director for 22 years? Approximately that, yes. And then the organization's been here 30 years. 30, so yeah. you've been... It's my eighth year, so she's okay. here 23 years, and then I've, I've been there eight years now. Great. And the Lord called you to it, and it's been a blessing ever mm-hmm. since. The the hard financial times you talked about, was that while you've been director, or was that before? Before. Or? We had some difficult time when I first became director, but it's the community support has been really built up again, and there was some time when the community support sort of wavered, but... Uh, those are things that have been taken care of. We've, the No Idea Tours have really helped with the community support. And, and that's what I came on? Yeah. Okay. And that really began to show people what's really going on here. So. Yeah. And you've, you've got a number of churches and local donors and stuff that just give regularly. Right. I spoke at Blackwell yesterday at a Christian church in Blackwell. And they have us on their monthly budget. Once a month they send us a check to support us. And then uh, I went over and and spoke to him about the lighthouse and, and took a resident with him and he gave his testimony. And so I do those things at churches that, that would like to become involved so I can, I, I'm speaking at the Lions Club this, uh, this Thursday evening about the lighthouse. So I get those opportunities and those are uh, good chances to, I used to take a resident with me to give the testimony and then give a little bit more information about the lighthouse. So, Well, so far as, um, I'll tell you a little bit about what I've wanted to do for No Water and all of it needs to I need to hold lightly because the Lord is, you know, yeah. you make plans and God yeah. laughs or whatever the saying is. But um, what I've kind of imagined is we already have a good deal of land on which to build something new. Um, and I've known that a lot of people coming out of a, a dysfunctional, difficult way of life um, need a different place to be away from all their surroundings that brought mm-hmm. out the worst in yeah. them. They need a place that's safe. They need a place that's holy and a place that's structured. And that's yeah. what... I'm just really impressed with what you guys do here. There's a lot of great structure, and I need to. I want to learn a lot more. Um, I've imagined building um, kind of a, a, a little network of cottages around a common building um, that are just one-room miniature homes where they have their own private space, but then they're expected to be in the common facility doing structured daily mm-hmm. activities, including a good deal of worship and Bible study. Yeah. Um, and so I've, I've... I very much like the model you have here that's Christ first. Bring, you know, the priority is Christ. And if you're not offering them Christ, you're really just offering a Band-Aid for a yeah. bullet wound. Yeah. Um, and then I, I really like, you know, financial training, um, fin- uh, financial literacy, yeah. the employment um, training to be a, a good employee. Um, and then I just think studying the Bible is just really helpful yeah. for restoring lives. And, and that's where I really want to, to focus it all. Um, I have a church that um, we have a budget that's not huge, but we have enough um, to, to talk seriously about starting something like this up. I have no doubt we could get uh, a foundation support. We have a couple benevolent organizations that I think would give grants or at least 0% interest mm-hmm. loans. Um, so I realize I think the hardest part is going to be getting, you know, there are people that are not against it, but getting people that are for it to sit on the board, to do the daily work. Um, I can do daily work, but actually being on hand all day, every day, I'm, I'm thinking there probably needs to be another person yeah. for that. Yeah. 
So do you have any advice so far as first steps, finding your people, anything around uh, putting meat on those bones? Um, I think coming up with your rules and what, what your, first, first of all, what's your target, you know? There are people that um, don't come to Lighthouse uh, and don't want to come here or have been here and can't come back or don't want to come back because we have a no drug policy. Right. And uh, so those people are out there wandering the streets, sleeping in tents, sleeping under bridges and vacant houses and sheds and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, people ask me, do we go out and hunt these people up? We don't. That's not our calling. Our calling to minister to people that come here that want help. There is a need for people to go out and try to minister to those people, but that's not us. And so you need to decide. You, you can't. I don't think you can do both. I think you get distracted. You got to decide. Are you going to be this uh, a a place where they begin to rebuild their lives, or a place to try to keep them alive until they do decide to get their life turned around? Uh-huh. And so there's there. You got to decide what your main focus is going to be. Is it going to be recovery and uh, rebuilding their lives to become productive citizens, or is it to be more of a emergency care and something like that, just a ER type facility. Um, and yours is definitely not just keeping them alive. Yours yeah. is helping them build their lives back together. Yeah. And let's remember where we were in this. But if, if briefly, do you have a sense in Bartlesville how many organizations are just trying to keep them alive versus how many are really trying to help people restore their lives? The majority are giving them food, clothes, yeah. and things like that. That's just keeping them alive, and 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 maybe even medical care. You know, and we we use those resources. There's sure. a, a free we use the free health clinics here in town to uh, help our people get. But our goal is to uh, help them spiritually and, and change their life, not just to. Uh, help them get healthy, you know. Yes. Okay. So back on track, we were talking about um, starting principles. And so first off, you lined off, you need to be clear about what you do do and what you don't do because yeah. you can't do it all. Yeah. Okay. Um, like at one time, we used to feed outside guests here. Uh-huh. And then Agape Mission opened up and their me- their ministry is feeding people that don't have any meals. And so I, I decided there's no need for us to duplicate their services. Right. They can go over there and get their meal because what they were doing, they were deciding which meal menu they wanted that day, you know. And, <laughs> and our people, some of our people were going over there. I said, you don't need to be going anywhere for your meals. You got them right here. Right, yeah. And uh, so we, we cut out the, the outside guests. And another, besides the fact of the duplication of services, another thing was we had people that were kicked out of here for using drugs and then they could come back for a free meal and they sat with the, next to the people they were doing drugs with or that used to be their dealer. And so it was very difficult for our people to have to be able to move away from the old sure. old environment you're talking about because we let it come right back in here. So yeah. uh, and it, it sounds harsh. We we have closed chapel services only to guests and uh, regular regular residents. Um, once in a while, we we'll make an exception if there's a baptism like that, a special event. You know, we we'll let them come. People come in, but typically, and that sounds harsh. But if they're coming just to connect to the people again that they were doing drugs with, it's it gives a it's a trigger to these people that are trying to get oh, their sure. life. So. Yeah. We have to, I'm pretty protective of the people at the Lighthouse God. It's my responsibility to protect them from their old environment and to, to help them get strong enough. So eventually they can't. They're going to have to go back into that eventually. But our goal is to make them strong enough to be able to do that before yeah. they leave here. Yeah. So um, do you guys, is it all private funding or do you get any funding from, say, Medicare or something for? We don't get any government funding at this point other than we did get uh, $40,000 from the government for the crisis a payroll protection plan. Yeah. And there was no strings attached whatsoever. But we'd get a $40,000 grant anytime we wanted from the government sure. to help us, but we'd have to not have required chapel. Right. 
and uh, they try to work with it because they want to give it to us. They want to help us out. Mm -hmm. But so they try to, how we could reword it, you know, and it's still going to be un, not requiring chapel. And that's a very core part of our ministry. Yeah. And uh, we've had people saved because they had to come to require chapel. Like I say in the chapel day, you come until you like it and then you start liking it and then it's, it's good. And mm -hmm. uh, one guy uh, was an atheist when he came to the lighthouse and it took 180 chapels. He figured it up later to get saved. Mm. Well, if we hadn't, I said, if we hadn't required chapel, would you come? He said, no. Right. So right yeah. there, you know, that, that may sound like we're being arbitrary or dictatorial or whatever. It's what people need. You know, it's just like a parent yeah. telling your kid you need to eat this because it's good for you. Yeah, it's a, the basic theological question is what is the nature of love? Does love uh, require things of you or does it just give unconditionally? And it's hard because Jesus died for us unconditionally, yeah. but his blood is applied to us conditionally. Yeah. You know, so it's very difficult to say you know, yes, we love you unconditionally. We want the good for you, but we're going to require you to do things that you don't want to do. And you don't have to be a Christian to come here. Mm -hmm. You don't have to become a Christian while you are here. Right. And you don't have to come with a clean drug record. You, you, we test everybody that comes in. If you test positive for drugs, we let you come in, and mm -hmm. then we'll test you later on to make sure they're out of your system. Mm -hmm. But uh, we don't say you've got to be all these things when you come here. And our goal is that that's your, the, the goal is for you to become a Christian but again, uh, we're not going to um, kick you out because you're not a Christian. Right. We're yeah. not going, and uh, uh, one person one time made a comment that uh, about uh, doing something, and this other uh, resident said, "Well, that's not very Christian." So well, I'm not a Christian. He said. Then she said, "Well, that explains your behavior." Then. <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, we we put it in front of them. And I believe, like, I, well, in required chapels, I have responded to have good chapels, you know. I, I'm selective who I let come in and speak. Because mm -hmm. we've had some people come to do chapels, and I said, uh, we said, we're not going to come back because they were not, they were either um, demeaning to our people mm. or else they were uh, going off in directions that were way far outside of their basic Christian uh, uh, standard of beliefs. And so, uh, or they were, uh, one of them, he was his chapel lasts about an hour, an hour and a half, and he came an hour late the first in oh the first place, goodness. and so it was just irresponsible the whole yeah. thing, you know. Yeah. And so you got to be sensitive to the crowd, you know. You got to read the room because these people aren't used to sitting for more than 20, 30 minutes, and so right. uh, we allow an hour for chapel, but I very seldom take that long because I know they're going to be done listening before I'm done preaching if I right. don't. So yeah, but I, I feel very responsible to have uh, spirit-led uh, speakers in the chapel services. I'm a uh... Well, I want to follow up on the finding good leadership. My understanding of your organization is it started with a strong leader, Naomi. Yes. And then Naomi had a, a network of relationships already built up that she 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 built up the the group that became the board initially mm -hmm. and and worked on site and got the funding together. Um, that's the part that I'm. I'm anxious about because as I have these conversations with people, everybody's on board with, yes, we need to help the poor. We need to do something that, that works. We can't just be throwing money out the yeah. way that we are. But getting the people on board who share the vision, who are willing to sacrifice the time and the energy, is there any um, art to that or is it all just God well, giving you people when it's time? Or it, what do you it think? It might be. You might want to have a, a meeting, open meeting yeah. in Nevada. And say we're looking at just uh, developing a ministry, mm -hmm. and uh, open to the public to come just hear people's view and, and share your vision, and then from that it'd probably be a small group to start off with. But from that, one or two people might come up with, "I'd like to be involved." In that that sounds like, yeah. and so 
uh, it could be it could be maybe someone from the from the police department, you know, that would sees the need to do more, or that mm -hmm. would want to be a, a board member, or somebody that <clears throat> has somebody that's in a recovery program themselves, or maybe a recovering addict or something like that. Uh, but I think maybe just share the vision with the people. Mm -hmm. um, now, I think you're talking about thinking about being done by your church. Yeah. Um, the the advantages are you have you know more control over it and you can guide it the way you want it to go. The limitations are uh, you don't have as much community-wide support. Some people will give to a church's ministry, even though they're outside that church, because they believe in it. Mm -hmm. uh, we're blessed because we're ecumenical and we have all kinds of churches and denominations supporting us. Uh, our board is made up of um, about five different churches. There's uh, about three Wesleyans on the board. There's a person who goes to Happy Hill Church, one that goes to Life Church in Owasso, uh, pastor of uh, Truth Tabernacle and a member of his from Truth Tabernacle. So we have a pretty good uh, array of different churches involved. And I think that helps. Um, the, the, uh, and there are churches that have uh, ministries like the Exodus House, the Methodist Church has. You know, those are pretty much funded by the Methodist Church and, mm -hmm. and overseen by the Methodist Church, and they're effective. Yeah. So, uh, but you're pessimistic about if 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 one church was the primary pers uh, entity putting it all together, you're you're pessimistic about other churches or benevolent uh, entities wanting yeah. to give to the church for that ministry yeah. because uh, what if what if a, yeah you're it it seems more realistic to form a separate five hundred one c three that is then intentionally ecumenical. Mm -hmm. So, so I guess um, I need to explore that more. Are there are there ways in which it being ecumenical has presented challenges where it wouldn't have been a challenge just for it to be a church? Well, uh, we have a statement of faith, which is basically the Apostles' Creed. Uh, so we go by that, you know. So yeah. uh, we've not had any real problems with that. Uh, I've had some speakers that I've had to exclude because they got on, like I said, on the outside, the bound, outside the boundaries there, uh, in their presentations. But um, we not had a problem with that, but it, it could be in, in some places. Uh, so if you've got somebody that's a really strong person, maybe in the community they're a really strong personality, yeah. but they don't share the the Christian belief. We've had right. people on our board, I believe, at one time that weren't Christians. They yeah. were church people, but they weren't Christians. Yeah. And uh, if if the the board's not committed strong. Uh, practicing Christians, uh, you can go drift away from your original mission or, or become uh, succumb to the pressure, well, let's go ahead and take some government money and we'll, we'll limit the, minimize our, our spiritual influence. You know, we'll try to do it behind the scenes. Right. You know, and, and That's the thing I'm really concerned about is maintaining the standard yeah. of, of Christ. And I, uh, it would be very difficult to maintain that standard without being accused of being heavy-handed. Yeah. Um, so do you, does the board give you... Um, authority to hire and fire and decide, yes. okay, so you yeah. don't have to run that by them. They don't have to. Okay. Only thing would be like an assistant director or something like that that's got a leadership position. Okay. The director of development, I brought that for him because it was additional money and also uh, that person represents the lighthouse yeah. uh, throughout the community. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the concern I've had on the front end is starting it off on grounds that couldn't be maintained. And if we're too spread out among too many different conflicting ideologies like yeah. just the fact that you're able to get your board together around Christ comes first everything else comes second I mean that's really hard for a lot of churches you know who give out money but don't require and, people to engage and, in the community and part there. of uh, 
something that you might want to do is since it's going to be on church property, you know, the, the buildings and that become the churches, regardless if the program continues or not. Uh-huh. And then the, the maintenance and the operation and the, and the salaries and that, that come through the, the organization. Right. You might want to do that where you, it's almost like they lease the property for a dollar a year or something like that, you know, just to uh-huh. maintain it still your property because you wouldn't want to um, invest this from your church and the land you already have and stuff like that. And then something go awry and the board decides they want to pull away from the church or whatever and you've, what do you do with the property then? So, I mean, yeah. you may, you may do, need to do something to protect your church's interest in the property. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, you, the diff, there are a lot of differences between what I've, what what we're positioned to do and what you guys are doing. Yeah, you are a pastoral presence, but you're not a pastor of a local church. Right. This, uh, I'm not I, even, I would be the I'm pastor of the local yeah. church, and then what role I would play. Um, I kind of like the idea of just being general oversight instead of there being a board oversight, just having the primary. I mean, I think it would be a one-man operation in the beginning, just being present with 12 or so men. That and are, you might want to start off with the church board uh-huh. overseeing, overseeing it that. as a ministry of the church. Yeah. And then even if it became an ecumenical ministry, the board could oversee that. And then as it grew to this point, you know, a local church board could not do what our church board, our lighthouse board does now because it's too big. We're almost we're almost half a million dollars this year in income, and it's about fifty three thousand more than last year. Good for you. So we that's we, wonderful. When I first it was about two hundred some when I first became director here, mm-hmm. and uh, so it's grown and I give God the credit for that. I mean, like I said in the chapel, God did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and back to being dictatorial, uh, you'll be accused of that. Yeah. No matter what, if you if you maintain a standard, you're going to be accused of being. Uh, narrow-minded or unloving or I thought this was a Christian organization. I get that thrown at me every once in a while when I make a decision uh-huh. that is based on our standards and based on God's Word. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and for most people, when they say that, they just mean you're not being nice because yeah. they think being they're, a Christian they're is being nice. you didn't get my way. I didn't get my way is what that <laughs> means. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so is your response to that generally just lackluster what how do you respond to those kind of accusations I pretty much just let it go yeah because there's no way I'm going to be able to defend it and and change their mind they're angry I've had people get mad and uh, when they left here and uh, cuss and and spin their tires and head out and and one lady she left that way and she got mad at me because she was here and she wanted her daughter to come here too to help her daughter get off drugs and I flat out asked her, I said, do you want to come here? She said, no. I said, well, then we can't have you then if you don't want to come. Uh-huh. And the mother got mad at me because I didn't want the daughter to come here, not wanting to come. Well, it's going to be disastrous if she was here under, right. not yeah. wanting to be here. And so, uh, but then about six months later, I got a card from her. And she said, I want to apologize for the headache and the heartache I caused you. Mm. And gave us, sent us a money order with a donation. She sent several money orders over the years. Wonderful. And so there's been a change there. Yeah. And But I, I mean... Nothing I could have said could have made it any better. She had to go through this herself and yeah. and, and work on it. God work in her. So yeah, yeah, and similar stuff in the church. I've been a pastor for oh, yeah. eleven years, and there have been ladies who got mad at me that I wouldn't baptize their grandchild, but yeah. their grandchild didn't want to get baptized. Yeah. So same thing. Yeah. You can't just yeah force it. You <clears throat> and know? Um, you know, you you just gotta maintain your your what you believe God wants you to do, what the Bible says, and. Uh, and do it in a, as gentle a way as you can, but you're going to be firm sometimes too. Yeah. See, and the firmness comes a lot more easy to me than the gentleness. Yeah. So I know that that's where God is going to continue. To, he's already rounded me out some, but yeah. there's a lot more to be done. And I know working 
doing this kind of work. This is this is where the rubber hits the road with yeah. faith. It's real easy to talk about and think about being a Christian when you don't know any messy people yeah, yeah. that make that really try your faith. But I, I wonder if over time has that gotten easier for you as you've done this kind of work where you've just built up some spiritual muscle tissue that you can rely on, or do you find well, yourself you, you consistently? You have to have thick skin and a tender heart, and there are times when you become could become callous if you're not careful. Mm-hmm. And uh, not see people as an individual, but just as a problem or a person as an addict or whatever. So uh, you got to be sensitive to that and be open to the fact that you could get um, jaded if you're not careful. And then the other extreme is you can give in to everybody and mm. hear the little sob story. And, and, and sometimes they have a sad story that's true, but still doesn't change the circumstances of what you need to do. Right. Uh, we don't take sex offenders because we have children here. So that's that's one group of people we can't take. Right. Well, my heart goes out to them because there's very few places they can go. Right. Uh, there is a ministry in Oklahoma City called Hand Up Ministry that we refer them to, but it's um, big and it's way away from here. And uh, I have not had much involvement other than I've taken a, a few people down there. Yeah. But uh, we can't. Uh, it's it's. Something that's unfortunate the way we do things, but with kids we just have to protect them. So I yeah, it's a frustration. You can't take care of everybody. Yeah. You know, in the kingdom, everybody will be taken care of. But and until then, we're a non-narcotic facility, so if they're on narcotics, they can't come. Uh, and we include methadone, which is the treatment for heroin, which is, in my opinion, a poor way to do it. Yes, because this is addictive and has side effects on it too. And people try to take methadone illegally just because they want it because of the side effects for that too. So. Uh, and some there's been things news about you know how some sober living houses won't do that you know how that how are you helping people if you don't do that? well you're not helping people if they're if they're still there under Medicaid under uh, a drug effect you know mm-hmm. so we don't allow medical marijuana either yeah and that, if we don't That's take really a stand going if the we don't take too. a stand yeah. on that right now uh, it's not fair for somebody to get high from marijuana with a card and somebody get high from marijuana and get kicked out because they don't have a card yeah so yeah uh, well. I, I know it's not easy. Uh, your time is valuable. you got to go in five minutes. Um, is there any closing wisdom that you think is just really important to offer me and anyone else who comes on board to this project? Well, the staff is important uh, because uh, they're my eyes and ears. Uh, and uh, we have resident staff. Most of our staff live here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, most of them have been addicts and alcoholics before, so they can see, they can see the signs before you have to do a test. If they don't suggest we test somebody, usually they're right, and that person is, is doing something. And if you don't test periodically, uh, randomly and, and with surprise, and then some routine times, uh, they'll sneak by. Because we, we do what I call all skate. We test everybody, and because uh, there's somebody out, we're suspecting that somebody's doing it or other people are doing it. And a lot of times the people we thought were doing it weren't, mm-hmm. but the people that we didn't suspect we're doing it. And so it, it, it's, it surprises, it surprises either way, but you got to do that. And that, that helps keep them on, on their toes and then, and then realize you can. Uh, how, how many, uh, what percentage of people who come in have to leave because they've tested positive? If you had to estimate, I would say probably 20% or not, not, not yeah, a whole lot. Right. Yeah. Well, one out of five is yeah. significant. I mean, well, it's hard when you say on the front end, if you do any, you're and what, what's and really then, hard though, when it's a staff member and I've had that happen before. Yeah. And, uh, so staff gets tested too. Yes, uh-huh. because sometimes they're the one that they have more access to drugs because they're they can, they're more free in their movements than others. Sometimes one of the practical things I'm wondering about staff is uh, surely you're not able to pay them 
uh, an hourly wage or uh, a salary? No, most of our staff gets uh, $7,500 to 200 a week, which is, uh, but if they weren't living here, they couldn't afford to. And then some of them, they may decide they need to get another job to be able to do more. Um, they range from uh, 75 a week to uh, 300 for like a cook or somebody that's or it's got more responsibility and more work involved. But uh, we, we don't pay them much. And uh, Do they all live on site? All those who make those kind of salaries, yeah. Okay. Um, and there's, there's not legal issues around that? No, what we do, we have them sign a form that they are paid for. We figure minimum wage, divide that into their salary, so they're paid for like 28 hours and they donate to their other 12. And they sign a form saying that so that it's it's a donation of the other hours they're paying. Okay. They're, they're not getting paid for. Okay. Because if we paid everybody minimum wage, we couldn't afford to keep going. Yeah, that's... Uh, that's... And some, minist some ministries do not hire residents for uh, those kind of... The, the reasons of, well they're coming out of their own problems. And sometimes they're just a step or two ahead of the people they're trying to watch. Yeah. And so there's, there's that danger. Sometimes they get, they get the power goes to their head and they become, you know, uh, bullies about their position. They've got a badge, they can do this and that, you know, and they sort of flaunt it in front of the people. Uh, but some people, it's, it's the thing that they need to start back into getting some self-esteem back. And I've had people tell me that when I hired them for that little bit of money, it really meant a lot to them to, feel like somebody believed in them again. Yeah. And so uh, there's the advantages there, uh, the, the financial advantages there, but then the difficulty, you don't have people that are really trained and, and they have they may be going through their own issues and they got to deal with somebody that's unreasonable or somebody that's been um, rude to them or mean to them or something like that. So it, it, it's hard to separate. But I think in the overall, the advantages for us outweigh the disadvantages. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and well, you've certainly taken advantage of the way things are and leverage them to the way that they need to be. And, and I think that the, the daily staff meetings uh, is much, is very good for them. I'm so glad they, you had me come to that. Where they pray morning. for each, yeah. and they pray for residents they've had to kick out. Mm. And, they, and yeah. the people don't know that. There's, there's residents now, they don't realize it a lot of times. Yeah. Uh, when I first came here, the staff meeting was standing around this counter here and just talking about things of the day, you know, without getting any depth, you know, and then they have one group prayer. But uh, when you moved it into there, so it's more private. Sure. Because we got to talk about things. And, and they're, they're told everything we say in there is confidential, and they're not to share it anywhere else. And that's something we hold them to. And, and violation of that confidence can be a reason for termination. We, they do know that. So. Good. Well, I, I know you have a doctor's appointment to get to, and I, I really appreciate you making the time. And uh, I'll find a way to, to, to bug you when I have questions okay. that's not quite right. so invasive. But I think it was great and, to sit down like this. And if this. you would want me to go to your informational meeting, uh -huh. you know, if you decide if you decide that's the route you want to go, yeah. you know, uh, you might want to do it in the within the church front, do a little church meeting first, you know, to see right. what the see if the church is on board with this because um, it's messy. Yeah, and you'll have things happen that. Uh, that some people in the church might not like, and so you you got to be prepared for that and aware that that may that that may take take place. In the Bible, it says that there's uh, an empty stable is easy to keep clean, mm -hmm. but there's no income from empty stable. Yeah. To me, that says a church can keep their building nice and clean with no scratches, no dings, and no wear on it, but there's no profit. Yeah. You're not doing any good. And yeah. uh, I think a church should be worn out, taken care of, but still used enough that it's it's uh, helping people come to the kingdom of God. Yeah, yeah. When we're talking about the prophet, we're not talking about money. We're yeah. talking about bearing fruit for our Beneficial, our yes. yeah. yeah. Well, you guys are certainly bearing fruit here. I'm just so impressed and blessed to be here. So thank you so much, thank Mr. You. Hayda. Yeah. Appreciate it.
All right, so we uh, we filmed the tour and we filmed the interview separately. We may or may not put them together, uh, but I just thought it would be good to um, to have a couple closing notes. I was uh, I was really impressed with what I saw over at Lighthouse. Uh, it's been there for 30 years in downtown Bartlesville, uh, getting by on a hope and a prayer. It's clear that they've had some struggles and some hard times, and of course nobody wants that. But a lot of a lot of organizations start with good intentions and then they crater under those pressures and Lighthouse under the leadership of Errol, and it uh, sounds like Naomi who came before him, and uh, Errol is gonna be retiring, and I, I, I think they know who his, his replacement's gonna be. Anyway, it's, um, it's a very impressive thing that they've done. Um, I was very encouraged to see how uh, an organization is able to stay so faithful. You know, I went to the, the chapel service and sat for the, the staff meeting. Just all throughout, Christ is glorified throughout all of it, they're doing quality work with integrity. Um, like I said, I think before the tour, I knew uh, a couple people that have gone through the program there, just powerfully affected. It's made a big impact on a, a lot of lives. And, uh, you know, there's a lot to be sad about. There are a lot of people who go through the program there and are not powerfully affected, but it's not the fault of the people who are there. Um, you know, a lot of people, they don't like looking at these problems. They don't like dealing with these problems. It's, it's hard to get money together for them. It's hard to get much volunteer support. But Lighthouse seems to have done a really, really good job using the resources um, at their disposal. I went on tour, uh, the tour of the facility with uh, Greg Tiener over at First United Methodist Church, uh, Bartlesville. And it, it became known during the tour that uh, his church is actively supporting Lighthouse financially. And I think that's a wonderful thing to do. And I, I think it'd be great for other local churches to just be regularly giving to this ministry or others like it because um, they do vital work that comes back on the local church. But oftentimes the local church doesn't have the muscle or the resources to really engage people who are dealing with these issues. A lot of times they need a place to go. They need to be separated from their surroundings and even the people that they're with. And so we would be wise to continue supporting groups that do this. Um, and there is a particular, I didn't talk about this with Errol, I wish I had, the faith-based angle is so essential. Uh, faith-based programs are routinely shown to be much more effective than um, programs that don't integrate faith and require people to engage spiritually. So, um, you know, it's work that the government doesn't fund. It's work that the church really needs to be behind. And so often the church neglects um, supporting ministries like this, and I don't know why but I sure am grateful for those churches that do support. So uh, God bless Lighthouse. God bless Errol Hayda and the work that he's and his staff are doing over there. And uh, let's just be in prayer for people who are in Lighthouse who have been humbled and are doing the hard work of getting their lives back together. And um, just pray that they see more and more success. So thanks for joining me for this time. I hope you were encouraged as I was. God bless you.